There we go. Good evening, good evening. It is Dwayne van Rensburg here with Filling the Gap, proudly brought to you by Radio Pulpit and Cape Pulpit, 657 AM. Of course, 729 AM all the way there in the beautiful Cape Town as well. Coming to you guys live this evening yeah, from, our, from our studios in Centurion. And yet again, an awesome jam-packed evening ahead of us. Like always, I absolutely can't wait. This is without a doubt one of my most favorite shows um, in a month. That is, of course, the last Monday evening of every month when I have the privilege of uh, sharing the airwaves with my sister in Christ, Reverend Paul Coupe. I don't even know what to call her. Is it Reverend? Is it Advocate? I don't know. I don't know anymore. All I do know is that she's doing groundbreaking work all around the world, and this, of course, for the kingdom of Christ. What a awesome, awesome ambassador. And uh, yeah, this evening I'll be spending some time with Reverend Paul Coupe, and uh, yeah, we'll be discussing a few very interesting things, so please stay tuned. Remember, please make this your calendar insert. Every last Monday of the month, we talk kingdom and legislation. We've gone through um, quite a big uh, two years from... Papuda Bill submissions all the way to the hate speech bill submissions. We've actually been quite busy. And once again, another jam-packed evening. As this evening-ish, we will be discussing uh, the National Health Act. And the deadline for the submission, of course, is the 5th of August. And we need you, we need you, we need you. We are God's ecclesia, the Church of Jesus Christ, and we got to make a difference. So you got to stay tuned to this evening's show. And if you want to join us this evening, please do so. Send us a WhatsApp on 082. Six five seven two seven two nine, and um, we'll see if we can respond to the specific topic that we are addressing this evening. Also, please feel free to send me any topics, legal topics that you'd like us to discuss. Send me an email: the word Dwayne D W A I N at radiopulpit.co.za, and we can see what we can do about that. Okay, so please join us this evening. We're going to take a short break, and the moment we back after this break, myself and Reverend Paul Coupe will hit the road running with uh, the proposed health bill, and the final date for submissions for us as the Church of Jesus Christ is on the 5th of August, and we need you guys to go to all the various platforms again, 4SA, Dear South Africa, we need you to access all those pages so we can make individual submissions. Remember, please, there's a difference between a single submission and a petition. It doesn't matter if you've got 3,000 signatures on a petition, it's still seen as only one submission. So rather do 3,000 submissions and we'll inform you of all of that. Just stay tuned to Radio Pulpit 657 AM, your daily companion. We'll be back right after the break. So awesome to listen to Marissa Farai. She actually launched this song right here on Filling the Gap a couple of months ago. So enjoy this one. This is Marissa Farai with Faithful One. That was Faithful One by Marissa Farai right here on Radio Pulpit 657 AM. It is a privilege this evening to spend the next hour with you on your radio and a special greeting to literally everyone all around South Africa. Not only listening to us this evening on Radio Pulpit, but wherever you are, maybe you're listening to perhaps a podcast or a friend shared this with you, or perhaps you're listening on Facebook, and that is the reason why we chose to make this a podcast, because this isn't a Monday evening show. This isn't a Radio Pulpit show. This evening's content for us is very, very, very important, and we want to reach as far and wide as we possibly can, because uh, guys, the enemy comes like a thief in the night. 
night. And this is once again what they're trying to do, but we are not going to go down. Uh, definitely not. We're going to fight this. And like mentioned earlier, uh, once again, just an awesome shout out to my colleague on Kingdom Legislation every last Monday evening of the month. If you're a new listener um, and you might not listen to us right now on Radio Pulpit and you might listen on other platforms, please tune in every last Monday of the month. And uh, this is the type of content that we are talking about. Once again, an awesome honor and privilege to welcome my sister. I'm not going to call, my, call her my sister in crime because we are not in crime. We are doing this to avoid crime. Uh, Reverend Absolutely. Paul Kupai, how are you, Rev? I'm great. Thank you, Dwayne. I'm great. And a big shout out to everybody out there in South Africa, wherever you are, whichever of the nine provinces you are in. Um, yes, it's exciting, exciting times. And um, I'm hoping that we can just mobilize uh, a few people around there just to take back the power. A democracy speaks of power belonging to the people. And we are not seeing this South Africa. We are seeing that power belongs to a few, a few hands who have vested interests, who have commercial interests, who are interested in protecting uh, their own individual rights and not protecting the rights of the people. So this is an opportunity here to hear about how you can protect your own rights and how you can be active in your community and how we as South African citizens can take back the power. You know what's interesting, um, Dwayne, is that, you know, the slogan that has been shouted for so many years have been a slogan that's been shouted. We shout a lot in South Africa. Amanda, Awetu. Mm. You know that that slogan yeah. means power yeah. to the people. And what is interesting is it seems like we are shouting a slogan which is irrelevant. We do not see the people having power. And we're going to talk about that. Why do we say that? If such draconian laws and regulations can be passed, which have the ability and power and effect of locking you into quarantine, placing you in quarantine whether you like it or not. And we're going to talk about those um, regulations and proposed amendments in a minute. If people can lock you up for a suspected disease that you may not have and force you to take medication that you do not want, how will you then shout Amanda Awetu? Where is the power to the people? How can we honestly say that people have power when they have no power over their body to determine what goes into their body, when they have no power over their freedom to determine how they can be free, when they have no power to make decisions and choice, and then you are busy chanting an empty, useless, and irrelevant slogan to say, Amanda, I wait to power to the people and the people have no power. That is absolutely, you know, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy at the highest level. When we shout power to the people, it must reflect that people really do have power, mm. that people have a power to choose, that people have a, a power to determine what goes into their body, that people have uh, a power to determine their movements. And so let's stop chanting slogans that are meaningless. So yeah, having said that, that's a, a, a nice introduction to what we're going to be talking about tonight, Dwayne, which has to do predominantly with the national health regulation amendments which have been proposed we have a deadline which is august the 5th and so the purpose of this is to mobilize people to understand 
the implications of what's going to happen if these laws and regulations go through. All right, just to continue with the foundation that you're talking about, at the start of your introduction, you said that you want to greet uh, the people across the nine provinces of South Africa. And I just want to just touch on that as well, because we need the Church of Christ across the nine provinces in South Africa Mm -hmm. to stand together for what we are about to discuss with you guys. The past 24 months, myself and Reverend Paul Coupe have gone on a spree uh, informing our people about the hate speech bill, the Bupura bill, and we continued to uh, to tell you guys the difference between a petition and a submission. I just want to touch on that before we continue, because you might, as a church leader or part of a church, you might say, but listen, Dwayne, listen, Reverend Paul, we've signed a petition. I think you need to understand that when you submit a petition where there's three million signatures on it, it's still only deemed as a single submission. So we would just want to drive this point that we rather want that three million people to sign individual submissions instead of one petition. I have that correct, right, Rev? You have it correct. And this is actually, it's not even a petition. It's not allowing a petition. Petitions we do when people are trying to draw uh, attention to a particular thing. Um, For instance, I did a petition recently around uh, the proposal where they wanted to have ancestral worship day, a day to worship ancestors. So I drew a petition. That's really getting signatures for people who either want to agree or disagree with what is being proposed. That's a petition, but it doesn't really affect any law. Now, this one, uh, there's no room for petition. You can't make a petition because it's not uh, Mm. around drawing attention to any subject. This is just submission. Why? Because it's to do with legislation. Petitions do not necessarily have to do with law, changing of laws. It Mm. just has to do like the aspect of ancestral spirits wanting a day. There's no law that says that. It's just a policy. petitions Petitions are really to do, can do with objecting to something. We don't want this. We don't want that, etc. So um, it, it's not necessarily about legislation. Now, with law and legislation, there's a process that needs to be followed. Before the parliamentarians and the legislatures can pass law, that law must have gone through a specific process whereby it goes through um, drafting committees um, in, in, in parliament. There's specific committees that are given the authority to draft legislation And then after that legislation has gone through certain processes, it now goes to the public and the public is given specific time to comment, to make input into that bill as to whether they want it or they don't want it. And if they don't want it to advance reasons as to why not. This is where we're at now. So it's not a petition. It's submission. And you're making submissions on a bill. And this is where people get confused because some people confuse it with a petition. And then they think that they can make a submission and as, a, as an organization or as a church. And maybe you're a congregation that has 5,000 members in that congregation. And people think that if they've made a submission as an organization, that it counts for 5,000 because they're 5,000 members. No, it does not count for 5,000. It counts as one because each submission is counted individually. So if you have 5,000 members in your congregation, they must each individually make a submission for it to be counted. So if you submit as an organization, it's only going to be counted as one. 
They're not going to count all the members in your organization. They're only going to count it as one. And so individually, please, whether you are a network, whether you are a movement, whether you are an NGO or NPO, whether you are a congregation and an assembly, um, let's say you're looking at um, TISA, which is the Evangelical uh, Fellowship Association of South Africa, which has millions of members. If TISA makes a submission, it's not going to be counted as millions. It's going to be counted as one submission. So each one of the TISA members must make their own submissions. Each one of, of, of South African Council of Churches, if it's them, they must make their own individual submissions. Each one of AFM, uh, some, you know, um, apostolic faith mission, they must make their own individual submissions. So let's not make that mistake because there's that misunderstanding that has been perpetuated. It's a myth and it's untrue. Uh, by people who don't understand the legal aspect of how bills are passed. And so if, if, if mm. you've misunderstood that, please tell your pastor that he needs to understand the difference between <laughs> a submission, <laughs> a submission, a legal submission, which is counted, and between a petition. Petitions are different. They can be counted like that, but not with legal submissions. They they are not counted that way. Well, Rev, I want to so give for, I actually for I give, that clarity. I want to give God the glory because as you were talking, I was thinking about the next sentence, sentence that I actually wanted to touch on, and then you touched on it. Uh, last year, Rev, um, let's just get the elephant out of the room because last year we actually got quite a few. Uh, Comments, and I don't want to use the word onslaught, but from church leaders, from shepherds of organizations um, that, with all due respect, have got no idea what the legal implications of these things are. And maybe perhaps somewhere a leader of organizations listening tonight and saying, listen, you guys are, you guys are overdramatic now. Uh, this is not as bad. But Rev, off air, you told me that if we think that the, the, the Peputa Bull and the hate speech bill of last year, when, where we rallied more than 100,000 submissions. Your words to me was, if we thought those uh, possible amendments was bad, this one is even worse. How does this affect the church? Why does this need the church's attention? Um, please give us a view on exactly what this is all about. Well, listen, Dwayne, the Papuda and hate speech bill, in effect, was really targeted, and I really believe it was targeted mostly at the church. Mm, yes. Why do I say that? Because a lot of what was defined as hate speech was what we as the church call sin. In the Bible, we define it, the Bible defines it as sin. So for me, um, a great agenda of the hate speech bill and the Peputa bill was targeted at the church and silencing the church and not enabling the church to be that moral, you know, to bring the saltiness mm. of what God has told us to do. We're supposed to be the salt which brings flavor and the light which shows direction. Mm. Now, when the church, which is an ecclesiastical um, network, you know, there to, 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 to actually bring God's kingdom principles on earth, when they're silenced, when you can't preach from the Bible and, 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 and talk about what is sin, you know, the gospel defines sin and calls people out of sin into righteous living. So when the church is stopped from that, it's effectively stopped from fulfilling a great part of its kingdom agenda. So that was a hate speech bill, etc., targeted mostly at the church. Now, this one is going to affect not only the church, it's going to affect every single person. Because we're going to look at the implications of the proposed um, national health uh, regulations and essentially 
They're going to affect almost every area of your constitutional rights. It's going to impact on your constitutional right of freedom of movement and association because you can be locked up for, for just very frivolous reasons. It's going to implicate, it's going to infringe on your rights of right to bodily integrity. It's going to, oh, there's at least five constitutional um, rights that it's going to infringe upon. And also it can make you subject to taking medical intervention at the, at the, at the instance of the state. They can force you to take medical interventions, including the vaccination, so-called COVID vaccination. They can, make, they can force you to take it under this national health regulations against your will. And that's why I'm saying it's going to make the Papuda, the Papuda bill, the hate speech bill. We're talking about your ability to voice, to, to speak out. This is not just speaking out. This, these regulations can cause you to be forcefully detained, detained against your will and have to be quarantined against your will and um, actually also take medical intervention, including the vaccination, against your will. So this is, we're talking draconian here. We're talking draconian measures, uh, you know, that, that can just lock you up. And we'll go through them each one by one. But that's why I was saying it makes the Papuda bill really look like nothing. So Rev, because I just, people I just wanna, can be forcefully so, detained. Yeah, so what I just want to touch on here is people saying, Dwayne, my body's got nothing to do with my responsibility in the church, my this, my this. Listen, they already had a restraint on us at a church when they announced that only so much people can go into a church. Only so much people. This is going to take those restrictions from a church point of view to a next level. Because if this bill is passed, then technically what that means is they can now force us to disallow access into our premises if people ain't vaccinated or ain't got that medical treatment. So the restrictions on the church is uh, how it was in COVID times 20. It's literally magnified to what control they will then have over the church of Christ. Well, how about this, Dwayne? You may not even be able to go to church because you have been quarantined forcefully for frivolous reasons. So let's start with that. Under these regulations, and let me let me take you quickly through them so that people can understand the the um, draconian measures and the great implication of these measures. So, of course, this is the Minister of Health again, Dr. Joe Patla, who has proposed amendments to the National Health Act regulations. This is under government notice number one, four, three, four of um and also the International Health Regulations Act 28 of 1974. So essentially, let me start off by saying this, Dwayne. Number one, you remember we had all these disaster management regulations, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So essentially, now that the disaster, there's no longer disaster. And by the way, in my view, there never was a disaster because I don't see how we can call an instance whereby we had in, within a, a space of one year, we had um, just under 100,000 COVID cases. And, and we had, in the same period, 360,000 360, deaths. And in the same year, in the same amount of time, we had less than a quarter of COVID deaths. I don't see why we are going to, and every, every death is important. But the question I'm asking myself is, 
Why is it that in 2019 there were 360 deaths uh, because of TB and it wasn't, it wasn't referred to as a disaster? Why was there no Disaster Management Act then? Why was there no lockdown then? And during TB times, you don't lock down everybody. You lock down the person who's suffering from TB. So this is my question. What qualifies this so-called COVID to be disaster management when we have diseases, HIV, AIDS, and, and TB, tuberculosis, which is as catching, it is airborne. It is an airborne disease that is spread through, through the air. Why was there no lockdown? And, and why was there no disaster um, that was announced? So that's why I'm saying if ever there was a disaster. Because if 360,000 deaths per year doesn't qualify it TB to be a disaster, what qualifies COVID to be a disaster with, with 25% of the casualties? So anyway, um, under the Disaster Management Act, the state was able to do anything they wanted. They could force us into lockdown. They could regulate our movements. They could regulate, um, you know, uh, our movements internally and externally. Um, they could regulate social distancing, etc. Now that the disaster management uh, has been lifted, uh, the so-called disaster has been lifted, they no longer have that power. And so effectively what we must understand is that this is an attempt to ensure that they retain that power. So most of the provisions that were in the disaster management regulations have now simply, they're just being transferred into the National Health Amendment Act so that the state still is able to retain that power over the citizens. And the WHO recently tried through the international health regulations to try to um, give themselves power to declare a, a, a emergencies, international emergencies. And thankfully enough, on May the 25th, 47 African nations came together to say no. They, they would not ratify that. They said, no, they're not going to give WHO that power because it would take away their territorial sovereignty. It would take away their ability to legislate and to make their own laws in the nation. So 47 African nations with Botswana reading the statements, uh, that was the Deputy Permanent Secretary Moses Gedile of Botswana, who read the statement on behalf of the African nations. So WHO, which is supposed to be an advisory body, an advisory body, uh, Dwayne, that they're, they're, they're now trying to upgrade themselves from an advisory body. They're supposed to just be advising nations on issues pertaining to health. They want to upgrade themselves to a body that's not just advising, but a, a body that can regulate and supersede the national laws in a country that they will be the ones to determine what an, a national emergency is, and they will be the ones to determine when countries must lock down and what is an emergency. To do that is to take away our territorial sovereignty. And as Africans, we know what it means to be colonized. We know what it means to be ruled by foreign nations from abroad. And I believe that is the reason why there were 47 African nations that says, we will not be colonized by anybody, whether it is a foreign nation or whether it is an international organization that wants to recolonize us. We are independent, sovereign nations, which will not allow 
this. So a big up to all the African nations, but the struggle is not over. It's not over, Dwayne. The, the WHO is still trying to push a treaty, and it looks very much like South Africa with the, 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 the leaders in the health um, arena. And I want to say this, that we have people like Precious Matsoso, um, who is sitting on the WHO health committees out there. And they are pushing for, for South Africa to actually, you know, um, ratify these treaties and go ahead with these treaties. So we want to say to our leaders, we are watching you and we will not allow ourselves to be uh, overtaken, to be colonized in a medical fashion, to allow another form of medical apartheid into South Africa. We are watching you and we refuse to have our territorial sovereignty taken away. Now, let's get to the National Health Act itself. So what is it saying? What are the practical implications here? And Sadia, you have to comment on these because they've just taken what was previously in the disaster COVID relations. They've taken them out and they've just put them in the so-called National Health Act regulations. Here's number one implication. Number one implication is that if this, this piece of legislation goes through, it means that you may be detained um, in quarantine. You may be isolated if you are deemed to be a positive case, if you are deemed to be a positive case. Now, the, the challenge with this one, um, Dwayne, is that even with the tests, we know that they're PCR tests. We know that they're antigen tests. And medically, it has been proven that these tests are not accurate. They are not accurate. Medically, it has been proven that these PCR tests in most instances cannot distinguish or differentiate between flu and what is so-called COVID. So that practically means that if you are positive, it may be a false positive. So you may be detained on false information. You may be wrongfully detained because their PCR tests are not, are not, you know, dependable. They're not reliable. So in essence, if this allows you to be detained because you're positive, you may be falsely detained. And it says now once you've been detained, quarantined, or isolated, you may be subjected to any medical examination and treatment that the government wants to impose. So you effectively become a ward of the state. They can do whatever they want. They can medically examine you whatever way they want. Now, Section 10 of our Constitution talks about the right to dignity. I, I, I can't think of anything more undignified than being forced to isolate and quarantine, um, you know, and be subjected to any medical examination. You cannot say no. That, that is the right of, of human indignity. It is a violation of Section 10. And it is also a violation, Section 10, which our courts have interpreted to say that the right to dignity goes hand in hand with your freedom of choice. They go together. They cannot be separated. So if I can be forced as a case to quarantine, to isolate, and to be subjected to any medical examination, Against my will, that means there's no freedom of choice. I, I can be forced to take any medical treatment. There's no freedom of choice there. It's a violation of Section 10 of the Constitutional um, 
our, our Constitution. It's a violation of Section 12, 2 of our Constitution, which says I have a right to bodily integrity, physical, physiological, psychological, physiological integrity. I have that right. It's a violation of that. It's a violation of so many things. And so under the same regulations, it also has the right to force all people entering or exiting South Africa during a so-called public emergency that uh, it has a right to, to force them to be vaccinated or to present a negative PCR test result. Um, the other thing that these regulations do is that they can subject any person suspected of being sick with a communicable disease, a communicable disease. They can subject them to a forced medical examination and to quarantine isolation in a state-run quarantine isolation facility against their will, against their will. And they have control about how and when you will be released. Now, this is not even your sick so let's go to stage two. This is suspicion of being sick. So, Dwayne, let's say you have a neighbor who doesn't like you because they think your dog is barking and disturbing them or your tree has grown over the other side. They can falsely lay a false report against you and say, oh, I heard them sneezing. I think this person has COVID. And on the basis of that, on the basis of that, you now become a suspect a suspect, and you can be subjected to a forced medical examination on the basis of suspicion, which opens up the door to a whole can of worms because any enemy, anybody that doesn't like you can automatically lay a false accusation against you. And you can be forced on the basis of suspicion to have a medical examination conducted on you, to be quarantined, to be isolated, in a state-run quarantine, leave the comfort of your home and have all of that done against your will. And they can determine and decide when you will be released and if not, when. So the other thing that it has, also these regulations, is that it also prohibits the preparation and viewing of the body of a loved one and prohibits night vigils and after funeral gatherings. Many of us, including myself, lost our loved ones during the COVID. My 95-year-old mother, you know, transitioned to glory during in September 2020 when we were still on level five. We know the pain of not being able to say goodbye to your loved one. We know the pain of not being able to gather your loved one. This regulation has the capacity and ability to prohibit the preparation and the viewing of the body of your loved one and to prohibit night vigils, which we in Africa, you know, is, is a source of comfort for us. The night vigils and the after funeral gatherings is where we find our solace, is where we find our comfort, is where we can fellowship with one another, encourage and inspire one another. In fact, they call it after funeral gatherings. We, you know, in, within the, the, the black community often refer to it as the after tears, after tears where people can just comfort one another and find solace. So it also um, talks about declaring that it'll give the government, South African government, uh, a capacity to declare any activity which they think or define to pose a danger to human health, 
they can prohibit those activities um, under the basis of so-called overcrowding, and they can decide what is endangering human health. So it gives them that omnibus, huge power. And those are essentially, I think, some of the very top level implications that are there. So the commentary period is ending on the 5th of August, 2022. And I want to say to this as, as South Africans, um, we know that the fact that something is law, the fact that something is law does not make it right, does not make it reasonable, um, does not make it, you know, th there are many laws that have been passed that were not right, that were immoral. And we know that better than anybody else because we were under apartheid laws, which, which were legal, but which were wrong. And this is another law, South Africa, that if made legal, will be wrong. It is immoral. It is unethical. It is taking away hard-fought and hard-won, hard-earned legal constitutional rights that we fought hard for. And the limitations clause, Section 36, I hear so many lawyers saying, no, but the, they, they can be uh, overridden. The, the, the Section 36 limits how these constitutional rights can apply to you. You do not willy-nilly take away rights, hard-earned rights like this. When we know that there are alternatives that can heal people, in the first instance, we know that there's a 98% recovery rate from COVID. How will you lift the rights, hard-fought constitutional rights of people, when there's a higher recovery rate for, for this so-called COVID than there is for flu? The average, there's a higher recovery rate. You didn't lift constitutional rights during the times of flu. You didn't lift these constitutional rights when TB, people, more people died from TB than have died from COVID. You didn't lift the constitutional rights. So what is it that is allowing you to lift the constitutional rights in this instance when there have been more deaths during tuberculosis and HIV AIDS? And nobody's constitutional rights were in, and interfered with, but you're interfering with them now. So Section 36 Limitations Clause, I would respectfully, respectfully, respectfully submit is not applicable in this instance. There are alternatives. There are alternative measures such as hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin, which has been um, usefully applied, scientifically applied. There's enough scientific research for a drug like ivermectin, anybody who would throw shade on a drug like ivermectin probably needs their mind to be read because ivermectin is a Nobel Peace Prize winning drug. Before you get a Nobel Peace Prize, that, that subject matter would have been researched by the best international minds. Ivermectin was not willy-nilly given a Nobel Peace Prize for nothing. So there are alternatives out there. Why would you lift hard-earned constitutional rights when there are alternatives to deal with this issue? The constitutional limitations clause can only be applied where there is no other alternative. And I would respectfully submit that there, there is not only one alternative, there are many alternatives in this instance, thereby removing any rationale for the application of Section 36 Limitations Clause 
in this instance. So, Dwayne, that's just an overview. And um, I really want us to just please, South Africans, uh, you came to the party when we were doing the hate speech bill, when we did the Paputa bill. You came out in your numbers. We were able to push back successfully. We need to send a bigger message to government this time that we will not be shut up and closed um, and, and, and quarantined. We, we, we are a democracy. We are not a dictatorial, dictatorial um, state. Uh, we, we, our lives cannot just be managed by few people who have commercial interests in, in the vaccine, who stand to benefit from the sellings of vaccine because of the big pharma. We will not have our lives taken away. We will not have our lives taken away. So we have herd immunity. It's been established. It, this was said by the Ministry of Health themselves, that South Africa has reached at least 80, if not 90 percent, herd immunity. Why will you lock us up for no reason? Businesses have folded and closed because people were unnecessarily locked up. People have lost jobs. Their source of sustenance and livelihood. Businesses have folded never to recover some of them because of unnecessary draconian legislations that were imposed on us by an international organization that is an advisory body and has no right to actually do what they did. And so South Africa, we're saying, it's time. That's Zulu for we are not moved. We are immovable. We will speak. We will not allow our constitutional rights to be overridden. We have no fear. We are fearless in this. We are a democracy. We will take our power back. We declare power back to the people. If we're going to say Amanda Awetu, we're going to say it and make sure that the people who said Amanda Awetu will make sure that they give the power back to us. Stop stealing our power. Stop hijacking our power. Stop terrorizing us. You know, Dwayne, what's interesting is that many of us activists have been, have been some people, uh, friends I work with, have been labeled terrorists. Let me tell you who the real terrorists are. The real terrorists are those who want to take away your constitutional rights and freedoms. The real terrorists are those who will not allow you to regulate over your own body mm. and determine what goes into your body. The real terrorists are those who will not tell you what is in that vaccine. They're supposed to tell you what is contained in the vaccine. The real terrorists are those who will forcefully isolate you and put you in a state facility against your will. The real terrorists are those who will put in medication into your body and override your right to bodily integrity, your right to physiological integrity, psychological integrity. Those are the real terrorists. The real terrorists are those who are making you shut down your businesses for no reasonable justification. The real terrorists are those who will not allow you to bury your loved one, your loved one, um, for, for no reason. The real terrorists are those who will not allow you to take alternative medication that will heal your body, but they want you to take a pharmaceutical solution that will benefit them in terms of finance. Those are the real terrorists. So uh, I want to 
urge you, South Africa, come on, let's come to the party and let's do the right thing. Let's be active. And let us, let us let the government know that we know our rights and our rights are not going to be ignored and our rights are not going to be stepped over, trodden. And um, we are a democracy, the Republic of South Africa, and not a banana republic dictatorial state. All right, so Rev, without opening this can of worms, and, and I actually want to keep you calm because if you hear what I'm going to say now, you're going to run with us. Uh, but uh, but hold on. Okay, so without opening can of worms, we're not going to use this platform to discuss the vaccine, whether it's right or wrong or anything like that. But I know that there's a lot of church movements that's, that's awaiting some form of the mark of the beast or chips being planted in or on your arm and on your forehead. And I don't want to debate that whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. But, but the reality of the matter is that if this bill is passed, then we don't yeah. have the freedom of choice anymore to say no to yeah. a chip in our arms and to say yeah. no. So <clears throat> this discussion is not whether those doctrines and those teachings are right or wrong. Um, let's let's yeah. say that they want to create a chip just for interest sake for census uh, recordings. The reality of the matter is that we are literally handing them the right to decide whether these things can be planted into our body. So this is way bigger for the church than we think because it's going to contradict some of the, the teachings that we actually teach from our pulpits. Well, here's what I've always said, and I'll always stick to that because I don't want anybody out there to feel condemned yeah. and, you know, whatever. Uh, and, you know, there are people out there who talk about conspiracy theorists. This is what I want to say, and I've been very consistent on this, to say that for me, This is not even really about mandatory vaccination. Whether you've had the vaccination or you've not had the vaccination, the crux of this matter is around your freedom of choice. Today, the issue happens to be mandatory vaccination. And they want to take away your right and freedom of choice to decide. Um, All along, all this time, we have had the freedom of choice to decide whether you want to take the polio or whatever vaccine it is, Why are they shutting that down now? Why are they taking that freedom of choice away from people now? And if they take it away now during mandatory vaccination, tomorrow is going to be something else. Once you set a precedent, and when we talk about precedence in law, we mean that there's a new path. There's a path that has been created. You've created a foundation so that now that these constitutional rights, which previously could not be taken away um, willy-nilly, Now you've set a new path that now we took them away during mandatory vaccination and now we can willy-nilly take them away. So South Africans, today it's mandatory vaccination. Tomorrow it will be another issue. And because government would have gotten away with taking your constitutional rights, it will be much easier for them to do so next time because there's been a precedent that has been set and through legislation they have cemented that precedent and now... They have made us captives to a point where we no longer have a right of say. So um, it, 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 mandatory vaccination, yes, it's about it now. But tomorrow, it'll be something else. So like Dwayne has rightly said, it's much bigger. It's much bigger than mandatory vaccination. It's much bigger than have you been vaccinated or not vaccinated. It has to do with your right and ability to express your freedom of choice. It has to do with your right to, to expect dignified treatment. It has to do with Section 15, which speaks to your right to freedom of belief, opinion, and religion, and thought. 
So you will not be able to express that. And we know that there is content in some of these vaccines, which is that content. You know, I'm, I'm not always open to speak openly about some things that I need to say. But all I can say is that content that is in some of the vaccines is against your faith, your faith. There are some practices that, that are practiced that have been legalized in South Africa, but they're not legalized in the kingdom of God. And some of the vaccine contents are carrying contents that are against your faith and my faith. You have a right, according to Section 15, to practice freedom of religion. And so it's about that, your ability to do that. It's about all of those things. And we cannot allow our, our rights to, to bodily integrity to determine tomorrow it will be something else that must go into your body. And because you've given away your right to bodily integrity through this act, you will now not be able to regulate what goes, goes into your body. Anything can go into your body because you've given up that right through legislation, through the national health regulation. You've given the state the right over your body. You no longer have a right over your own body and right to bodily integrity. So this is the bigger implication that we're talking about. It's huge. And you cannot set a precedence. You cannot allow and, and put in a foundation for the, the taking away of all those constitutional rights. All right. So, so we have exactly, I'm looking at the time here. We have exactly 10 days, 22 hours, and 35 minutes. We have until the 5th of August. Yes. Right. As we go on. All right, so guys, wherever you guys are watching this right now, wherever you're watching at the bottom of this, myself and Reverend Paul on all of our platforms will also share the link that you can literally just press the button and you can do your online submission right there and then. But Rev, for those people who don't understand the 21st century and the links, Rev, we've got got four minutes left exactly. Where can people go to do these submissions? Listen, I suggest that you form yourselves in little clubs. You form yourselves in little clubs, uh, form little community like centers, etc. There's always somebody within your community who has access to email and all of that. I want to propose that find people like one person who can be your representative. Go as a group. You may be a group of old Danis who don't have access to IT. Go as a group and have one person enter in all your submissions for you. They can do that. But be organized. Go as an organized group. And let's flood this, 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 uh, the submissions. Let's, last time, we flooded them so much that the technology, their website crashed. Their emails crashed. So let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's crash it. You know, let's, let's make so many submissions that they know, um, without a doubt, that South Africa has answered. South Africa has answered. They know without a doubt that we are watching, we are alert, we are vigilant, we know what's happening, and we are refused. Let's flood the submissions the same way that we took a stand and 70% of South Africans refused to uh, have their rights to bodily integrity overlooked and they refused to be jabbed. Refuse with the same sense of purpose. Refuse. It was 70% who refused. This time, let's make it 100%. All right, so this is what you got to do now. This is very, for us, this is very close to our hearts. you got to take this podcast, if you listen to it now, and the link at the bottom of this podcast with how you can do your submission. And we need you to spread this as far and wide as you possibly can. 
Um, and then I also want to urge you, as Reverend Paul Kupai just said, about creating groups. Please make it a priority once a month, the last Monday of every month, to tune in to this kingdom legislation, this chat between myself and Reverend Paul Coupe on a Monday evening from 7 to 8. We really touch on stuff. And Rev, i got to be honest. Uh, the, the, the scripture says that my people will perish due to lack of knowledge. Yeah. And i got to mm-hmm. be honest, before myself and you engaged in this two years ago, I don't know, call me, I, I don't know, call me death if you like, but I, I was never notified about things like these from my church or from my pastor, or um, I, I was really under the impression that things is what it seems to be on television, but the reality is that, that unfortunately certain people in our political spheres do have an agenda to keep this information away from us so that they can pass these bills and it will negatively impact our lives. Yeah, absolutely, Duane. I so much value this platform that has been created whereby, you know, one can sensitize, educate, keep the people out there informed of their rights, make sure that they're active citizens and they take the power back, that they make submissions so that there are no laws that are passed that um, will take over their ability to decide over what pertains to them. These are issues that affect us personally and directly. So we must be involved. We must be active citizens. We must be a part of determining what happens to us. And we must protect the future generation. Otherwise, there will be no future generation because they will have been taken away with all sorts of, of, of different agendas, you know, and, and we can't allow that to happen. Not on our watch, people, not on our watch. Just go around and say, not on my watch will this happen. Not on my watch. That must become our slogan. Well, Rev, once again, thank you very much. I love, absolutely love spending time with you. And uh, once again, can't wait till next week, Monday. Thank you for being a channel and a platform. Thank you for representing the Church of Christ wherever you move. You're, you are really such an inspiration. And I can't wait to share the stage with you. Um, can't wait to show you a bit what Dwayne is also all about on a stage. You haven't seen that yet. Yes. Go, Dwayne Nikki. I can't <laughs> wait for that day. <laughs> uh, well, guys, on behalf of me and, and Reverend Paul Kupai, or should I rather say on behalf of Dwayne Nikki and uh, Reverend Paul Kupai, <laughs> we love you guys. And um, we will be right back here on your radio next, next, the last Monday of every single month. Rev, blessings to you, and I love you two bits. Love you guys, love you guys, and let's do the right thing, South Africa. It's time. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're going to play out with a song from CRC Music. Uh, the song is entitled Even I, and stay tuned to Radio Pulpit, and I'll be back next time, same time, same place on your radio. Blessings and goodbye.